There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I fully understand why Roberto Mancini has captured people's imagination during this tournament. Not only does he, somewhat incredibly, look exactly as slender, as young and as lustrously haired as he did when he was a star for Lazio, Sampdoria and to some extent the Azzurri as a footballer. For me, it's been a slightly different experience. I can only try and transport you back to the mid-90s when I'd had some remarkable breaks, just kisses of good fortune on my cheek, to allow me to become a roving football reporter at the Scottish Daily Mail and to have an editor like Brian Hector Cooney who said, I don't like the way that we're now seeing continental teams not only outplay Scottish teams, but outmuscle them too. He was referring to the Rangers-Juventus Champions League group game where he felt that Lippi's side played with a different verve and athleticism and power that allowed them to bully Rangers. Go to Turin, he said. Go and find out. Well, look, that whole subject became shrouded in acrimony and counter-opinion in later years. But I did go. And a man called Daniele Boalia, the press officer at UV at the time, said, come on in, the door is open. It meant that I spent, I think, two and a half days there the first time and at the end of day one, where Juve were doing double training sessions in the Estadio Comunale, I said, look, I really would like a player interview. I'll see if I can't get Luca Viale for you. So I waited in one of the spare dressing rooms. I happened to be wearing a three-piece pinstripe suit. And so was the man who came into the dressing room at the end of his second training session of the day, Luca Viale. At that stage, his English was okay, but it needed help in order to... And I, my Italian was next to zero. So we needed help. We had a translator, a woman who worked in the marketing department, and we sat there for about 25, 30 minutes. Late at night, one December Tuesday, I think it was. It was a thrill for me. He was so funny. Um, he took a look at my suit and leaned over and tested the, the fabric, and there was about a thousand euro difference between what we'd spent on our relative pieces of clobber. It began something of a friendship, which is strange. By the time I got back from Juventus, the Celtic manager, Tommy Burns, the late Tommy Burns, phoned up and said, I've been reading what you wrote about their methods, about their, their gym, their, their training ideas. Take me back over there now. Get me in again. And I did. And I went back. So Luca Viali again, spent time with Lippi. Tommy and Lippi together was just, it was a joy to listen to. And what happened was I stayed in touch with Luca Viali. And I like him very much indeed. When he was the Chelsea manager, he gave his first interview after being sacked to me. I went round to his house in what was then a house in Eaton Square in London. And from that day to this, we've been able to exchange messages. He was a guest on the big interview 
I, I owe him, I think, because he's he's let me in. He's treated me with friendship and he, he's a multi-layered, interesting, bright, cosmopolitan man whose striking ability I loved watching. I loved... There was a long time where he was easily my number one favourite Italian footballer. I guess with people like Del Piero and, and Baggio and Mancini and Totti around, others will have different views. But Luca was mine. Not that long ago, he was fighting cancer. He seems to be well. That came as a blow to me. I know that we're all going to face illness and death in due course, but he still seems relatively... No, not relatively. He is young. Therefore, his recovery was a thing of great joy to me. And to see him joining the man with whom he was, in a football sense, umbilically linked at Sampdoria. They were called the Twins of Goal. It was Luca Viali, this semi-aristocratic young man with Mancini. They got up to mischief. They ran the club. Mantovani, the president, left a lot of the decision-making down to his two key leaders, his two key strikers, including who to hire as coach. Sven Joran Eriksson, who's coming up in this episode, was their choice. So seeing Luca leaping out of the dugout in joy when Italy overcome adversity, when a goal goes in, when the final whistle sounds, seeing Luca and Roberto Mancini together again as if we'd stripped away the years and it was 1988 or 89, 1990 at the World Cup, 1992 at Wembley, Sampdoria, Barcelona. It was a thing of joy. And therefore, we picked up a nice little slice of our Sven Joran Eriksson big interview where well, what, what we liked was him reflecting on the relationship between Viali and Mancini at Sampdoria. Sven is going to tell us how the Gold Twins ran that dressing room, as I mentioned. Effectively, they weren't far off running the whole club. And Mancini was a pure artist, get on the wrong side, and he could be a raging bull. Look, Viali, I'm so glad to see you involved with the Azzurri. Maybe you're going to the final. Maybe we're meeting in the semi-final, said the man covering Spain. But Roberto Mancini, for the moment, the big interview salutes you. I mean, every striker who played with Mancini, they will say he, he was the best. Luca Viali was in our series and he does say that. He said that, of course. Wow. <laughs> That was a couple. Yeah. Yeah, on and off the pitch, he explained. Yeah, of course. Crazy. You know, when I came to Sampdoria, I was in Benfica and um, they phoned me, so I was a private plane to Monaco. And I met, not um, Mantovani. Mantovani, the president, yeah. And uh, Viale and Mancini. He started there and he said, well, mister, he said, I don't really understand football, but these two guys here, he said, they got into the head that they want Sven Eriksson. So that's why we are here. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> so they were uh, Listen, negotiating. When, when you have Viali and Mancini saying, we've picked you over, everybody's like, where do I sign? Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. So he said, I'm here to take you as a coach. Well, after talking lunch and talking football and talking... He said, okay, now we talk money. And he said, Mancini, you two, out. <laughs> <laughs> he treated them like his own son. Like kids, yeah. yeah. So it took uh, 
paper and a napkin. Napkin, and he wrote and he said, "That's the money I pay you." <laughs> I, I looked at it, <laughs> and he, he thought, I, "I can see that you're not happy." And he took a new one, and he wrote a bigger. <laughs> no, I told him, "I, I'm happy, I, but I didn't think you paid that much." Okay, now you have the bigger one," he said. And then he said, "If not half of that money is paid before the season start, you don't need to come if you don't want, and you can sue me." He paid half of the salary before the season started. I've never heard. I never like heard about it. it. But he was Mantovani. He was. Luca, Luca taught. Luca taught lovingly about him. Of course. And the, the, I asked you the Cranioti question because for Luca to bring the title to Mantovani meant something beyond. And Luca is like you've been talking about winner character, hard yeah, working, yeah. demanding. But for him to repay that man was was unbelievable. Mantovani was all everything for them. If you went to Mantovani's home, which I did many breakfasts, beautiful house on the outside Genoa on on the cliff, the view of the sea. In the entrance, he has a big um, family tree. You say like yes, that? Yes, exactly so, yeah. yeah. Huge, beautiful. And in the middle, between he and his wife, a small photo, Mancini. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Incredible. We, Manto- Mantovani. He phoned me, and the first time I was surprised. And he said, Mister, I, I don't care about your lineup, but what's your lineup? Away game. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, he said. Well, I started, no, 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 he said. I, uh, let me put the question again. Is Mancini playing, he said. <laughs> yes. Okay, he said, then I'm coming. And one day, every away game, with me and with Bosco before me, he always phoned asking, is Mancini going to play? And if he didn't play away, Injury, he didn't come. He didn't come. One day, Luca Vialli uh, became aware of this. And he went to the, the chairman and said, why do you ask about Mancini? Why don't you ask if I'm playing? Or not? <laughs> and he said, you only run and score goals. Mancini, he's the art. He <laughs> That's the art of football. Then, then Sven, okay, I, I'm a romantic. I can't go past Mancini now. For those who didn't have the privilege of watching Mancini play, tell us about him. Well, it's football. Football, football, football. I don't think he has any other interest in life. And he was always like that. When I came to Santoria, as I told you, he and Vialli, they have decided that I should be the coach. And of course, they defended me always. Not they, Vialli went, but Mancini. And Mancini, he was like... He checked with the kitman before every training. Everything's okay in the dressing room before the players. One hour before training starts, he phoned the kitman and asked, "All everything's okay in the dressing room?" Yeah, yeah. He checked that. Uh, The chef cooking, making the food. He always phoned him. Well, I think we are ready at that time, and the pasta should be ready. He did everything, every everything. He was to the office. He was the only one who didn't need to knock on the door of uh, Mantovani. He just went in. (laughs) And if it was something with the team, he sorted that out with the chairman. 
once a week or once every second week, dinner at the best restaurant outside the Genoa, fish always, all the team who paid Mancini, always from his uh, pocket. I, I think he's still the same. Then <clears throat> on the pitch, well, he's an artist. What he sees, I can see from the bench some seconds later. Mm-hmm. He sees it quicker than me, than anybody. But it's a big but about Mancini. If teammates didn't do what they should do, he became absolutely crazy. And the old teammates in Sampdoria, they knew that, but they accepted it. He got furious if you don't come back running and absolutely. And referees. Because and the referees hated him. They respected him, but... Always. Always, always. Yellow cards, red cards for talking. And I spoke to him and I said, Plenty hell, Mancini. So when Sampdoria played Barcelona, Champions League final, 92. in London. Memory. Yes. That was the year, Bosco, the last year of Bosco. Then I took them over. But anyhow, Mancini was sent off for foul and talking. So when I started there, it came from uh, UEFA, and that he got three... Three ban. Three ban. I think two or three. And he came to me and said, I'm going to the chairman, and he has to sort this out, I'm going to make a protest and things like that. So he went to the office, and Mantovani told him, bloody hell, and he said, if you don't leave this office in 10 seconds, I will phone... UEFA and ask them to give you five games. <laughs> <laughs> that was said with love. Yes, so now is the part where you have to accept I'm not being contrary. But the Azzurri aren't just on a massive long unbeaten run. They look for goals, they look for thrills. It's a hell of a thing to come off the ropes after what happened to them in the last game and, and hell it, it was enjoyable too because they were being pummeled they thought they went 1-0 down I'm, I'm just getting excited now because my focus is supposed to be the bet 365 man of the day so I don't want it to seem contrary that after so much affection given to Viali and Mancini and, and Nizzuri in general I'm going to go for a Belgian as we record this Clearly, we don't know for sure if De Bruyne is going to be fit or Hazard is going to be fit. Given that Hazard complained of hamstring pain, I just, I don't see it. I don't see how he starts, at least. I just, I'd love it because he was so brave and he was so determined to to show for the ball, to take the hits and to carry his team through against Portugal that he deserves the reward of being back in the in the quarterfinals, but I don't see it. Valinho's behaviour the other night merited a red card. And I was really sorry. I think it was the German Felix Breich, or Breich maybe, who was flawed. We got it wrong. The tug on the jersey with Lukaku to let it go to play advantage. Hats off, mate. Hats off. And then you stop the play and you book the player. Why not? Why not? And if that happens, then it's a red card for his tackle on De Bruyne, which to me looked like a red card tackle anyway. And is the reason that De Bruyne is at risk. He's obviously a maybe. Ankle injuries are not to be messed around with. De Bruyne is neither Bergkamp or Robin, who needed to be in 110% shape to play, nor is he patch me up and put me out there, boss. So I think in terms of physio, ice, the inflated ankle, getting back to normal size, him trusting it, 
to start? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Only the physios know. Only De Bruyne knows. But to play a role like he did when he came on against Denmark, I see it. And if Hazard and Hazard Senior and De Bruyne aren't playing, all of you will have seen enough of Carrasco, who, who should start now, for Atleti this season to know that he is different. He's rangy and lean and, and big and... and he, he can take the knocks, he can knock people over, he can out-jump people, but he loves being on the ball. And if he's got players who want to dance around him, then he, he can be, if not Fred Astaire, he can be a bit Travolta. But um, I don't know when they play. Is, this, is it Saturday Night Fever? Do they play on Saturday? I, I, let, no, Friday. Friday Night Fever it is, isn't it, I think. Let's set Carrasco to one side. What I thought I saw in La Cartuja the other day against the European champions was a side that should be that was more tired than I thought they might have been because so many were rested against Finland. So if they were tired then, mm, the after effects of that game, plus the travel, plus maybe missing two of the leaders, means it stepped forward the third of the big hitters for Belgium. It's Thibaut Courtois. My bet 365 man of the day is Thibaut Courtois, partly because I really admire him. I went on and on the other day, so I won't do now, about the astonishing dummy on uh, Cristiano Ronaldo to begin the move for the goal. And he didn't have to be against Portugal full of the most acrobatic, amazing saves of his life. But I've watched him become a leader, a real leader at Real Madrid. And part of that has to do with not just a certain arrogance, but temperament. You have to want pressure. You have to want the big time. And he does set a tone, I know this, on a daily basis, not just in matches. Now, we're talking about match here, not, not training. I think for Belgium to repel Italy, to make it hard for them, and then probably to score against the run of the play, it has to be Courtois. Let's see, maybe I'm wrong, maybe one of the Italians step forward, steps forward, has a brilliant game, wins it for Mancini's boys. But I, I think this is Courtois' moment. They certainly came to the tournament to win, not to be knocked out in the quarterfinals. It didn't quite look right the other night. Was it a blip? Was it the way that Portugal played? Are they a little bit fatigued? We're going to find out. But their rock for the ages has to be Thibaut Courtois. He is, with fingers crossed, my bet 365 man of the day. Mm -hmm.